Hi, Financial Feminist listeners. I'm Karina, COO at Her First 100K. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help. That's podvoices.help. We'll also have resources linked in our show notes. We here at Her First 100K and Financial Feminist encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Thank you, Financial Feminists. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm so excited, guys. Hi, financial feminists. Okay. I don't like to play favorites here on the show, but today's guest is extra. Oh, guys, strap in. You're not, you're not even ready for this episode. Okay. Some housekeeping before we get into it. Are you subscribed? Have you left us a review? Have you shared the show on socials and tagged us? If you're loving the show, please share it with your friends. Please leave a review. If you're not loving the show, tell everybody that it's Dave Ramsey's show. That's the easiest way (laughs) to support us, right? Is if you love the show, if you engage with it, please support us. Follow us on Instagram at Financial Feminist Podcast. Help the show grow so we can bring on amazing guests. A lot of people don't know this in the background of the podcasting world, but if you want really incredible guests on a show, the easiest way to help get those guests on the show is by listening and by sharing. Because this fun thing that happens is you pitch people, you pitch you know big people who are very sophisticated and intelligent and amazing. And basically, you have to show that the show is worth their time. So we so appreciate your support and it helps us get amazing guests like today's. So speaking of today's guest, you all probably do not know this about me. This is a uh, I almost said a dirty little secret, but it's not. But it's just so embarrassing. For many, many years, starting when I was around 17 or 18, I was absolutely obsessed and still kind of am with pentatonics. If you guys are not familiar with pentatonics, you are. I promise. If you have seen a YouTube video in the past decade, you know who pentatonics is. They are the Grammy Award winning acapella group. Let me walk you through my timeline here. So when I was 18, they had just won the sing-off. Yes, that acapella singing competition hosted by none other than Nick Lachey. They had won season three of the sing-off and they were on their first tour. My best friend at the time and I literally went to the show, went to the venue five hours early, stood in the pouring rain thank you, mom and dad. We had purchased them individual gifts. There's five members of the band. They came out to grab coffee. We gave them said gifts. It was incredible. We ended up being front row at this show. That would have been cool enough. (laughs) 
I'm literally shaking. I'm so excited to tell you all this. So that would have been enough. That would have been exciting enough. Again, I'm completely obsessed with them. I know every song. I know, I know their birthdays. I know everything. To top it off, for about three years of touring, Pentatonix performed a cover of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. You know, let's get it on. And they would bring someone on stage and sing it to them. This opportunity was known as the chair girl. This person was known as the chair girl. And the chair girl would sit in the chair, hence the name, and be serenaded by pentatonics. My best friend and I campaigned for this. We sent their tour manager a video about why we should be chosen. And we were pulled up on stage. This is simultaneously the best and the most embarrassing moment of my life. I have kept this video a secret for many, many years. However, we have linked it in the show notes for your viewing pleasure. I black out. I fully have, I have flashes of memory of what happened, but basically I not only turn into a total fangirl, something happens to me. (laughs) Watch the video. You will understand. It was incredible. I like did not sleep. I did not eat for days after I was so excited. So It was a very exciting day when Scott Hoying, a member of Pentatonix, one of the founding members of Pentatonix, not only agreed to be on Financial Feminist, but asked me to be on his podcast and then also invited us over to his house where we got to meet his lovely now fiance. They literally got engaged like two weeks after we met and his lovely dog named Bubba. And It was, I was so excited to be there as 27-year-old Tori, but 18-year-old me was shitting her goddamn pants. That was just so cool for me, this full circle moment of literally how it started versus how it's going. This episode means so much to me, and I'm just so excited for you all to hear it and had to give you the backstory. Kristen, our podcast producer, came with me to this one and I was having a full-on crisis in the car before I walked in. I was like sweating. I was like, okay, we got to keep it together. We got to keep it together. We got to keep it together. And somehow I did, mostly in this episode. Scott Hoying is a three-time Grammy award-winning singer and songwriter from the multi-platinum selling group Pentatonix. He is a member of the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, is Emmy-nominated, and has headlined arenas around the world. You also might know him as half of Superfruit, that song Guy.xex from TikTok, the six feet tall and super strong, we always get along song. That is him. It's one of my favorites. It's a bop. I'm really, I just need you to be really proud of me for this one, y'all. I only fangirled a few times. So in this episode, we get into really interesting topics like the reality of being on competition shows like The Voice and American Idol, what it's like to work and be contractually obligated to your friends, the finances of putting on an arena tour, and we talk about so much more. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into it.
we discussed on your show, uh-huh. I have been a fan of yours for a while. Oh my gosh, um, I love this. By a fan, I mean completely obsessed. Like PTX Instagram fan accounts. Yeah, Tumblr fan accounts, memes. Yeah, it was bad. Consumed pretty much everything you put out. Honestly, I love that so much. It makes my heart feel warm. I did. Oh, fun fact. I did Respect You All Night Long, a cover at my coffee house in college. Okay, that is amazing. Because that's like It's that's one like of my favorite really things you've ever done. Of, oh, thank you. I think it's so underrated. Honestly, thank you. I it's think, so good. You know, I haven't told a lot of people this, but I guess I'll debut it here. I'm like kind of starting to work on a solo project. <gasps> and like... Yay. And like, because I've been learning to produce and like write on my own and... You just inspired me that I should bring that song back. It's it would do like that's a TikTok sound in the making, right? Like it's so smart. It's such oh a my good God, song. Thank you. And for thank those you. of you who haven't heard, well, I'll link it. Your old Spalding sessions oh my God, version yes. of that. I'm yeah. gonna respect you all night long. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. I love your tone. Yeah. Oh, stop. <laughs> it sounded good in my head. No, thank you, gosh. Um. <laughs> in my pants it's fine no i think it's just yeah it's a really smart song we'll link it but basically the whole thing is a sexual entendre and it's just like <laughs> leads up to all of these jokes and then it's like ah no just kidding it's like ah, yeah. mm, no <laughs> no so i've been a fan of yours for a, a minute so it's really it's really cool to chat with you it's cool to chat with you too i am a fan of yours thank you i am um, you, you're on my tiktok for you page all the time and Which i think is what so you're embarrassing. doing it's so oh, embarrassing it's not embarrassing one percent i think what you're doing for so many people especially women and the education you're providing is really changing people's lives. And I think Thank that's you. really admirable and incredible. Thank you. I mm-hmm. really, really appreciate that. You had such a huge impact on me. Well, four or five, mm-hmm. well, six of you technically with Avi. And so thank you. Thanks for being oh, such a huge, thank you for saying huge that. inspiration and part of my life. So Aww. thank you. I'm like already thank crying. You. Okay, oh we're not going to cry. We're not going to cry. I want to take it all the way back to Sing Off Days, which is how I discovered you. Oh my gosh, you. I love this. Okay. And again, as transparent as you're willing to be, you win the singing competition mm-hmm. after you auditioned for the voice right yes and did not quote unquote make it yeah and did you do american idol too well, yeah i had tried out for american idol three times i had tried Jesus. out for the x factor america's got talent a couple times and then the voice was actually the first show i did make and signed the contracts moved into the hotel oh did you really i didn't know that yeah so 70 people make it but i was put on the bottom of the list so the teams had filled up with the format of the show. Mm. And so they were actually deciding between me and this other piano singing guy that looked like me and they picked him. And so I had rehearsed my song, was ready to go and then didn't get to do it. And I was so devastated. And that's when like, I started figuring the sing-off thing out. Right. So it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. So you guys won the sing-off and then you get this record deal mm-hmm. and some money, but then you're dropped by the record deal or yes. you're dropped by the label, right? Yeah, so the, the prize money was $200,000. My little pup is running around if you hear jingling. No, it's so cute. Bubba. Am I taking his collar off? <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah, my boyfriend's here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we won the show and the prize money was $200,000. And, you know, right. after taxes and splitting that with the band, it, you know, it probably came to, I don't know, $27,000. Right, right, That right. I got a year later. Yeah. But... Yeah, we had a record deal with Epic Records, but during the show, they were changing like the CEO, the whole staff of Epic Records. Oh, so while you're like trying to compete for this record deal. <laughs> yeah, the whole record company was having like a overhaul. Oh, God. I know. And so an L.A. Reed came in and he was like, OK, I'm obligated to sign this group. 
And, you know, I, he did as any businessman would. And he went through like other acapella groups and how they financially do. And he was like, oh, I don't see it being a good business move to sign an acapella group, which is a fair decision. At that point, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it, like it wasn't. wasn't. And I do remember being at Epic Records, talking to someone else who worked there and being like, I know that it's a risk. And it was kind of like delusional optimism, but yeah. it ended up being right. But I was like, I know it's a risk, but I think what we have is really special. Like everyone seems to, it seems to really move people and I'm feeling very confident in it. And I think you just need to take a risk on us. And she was like, we don't have the time or money mm. to be taking a risk on something that's like ultimately going to be a failure. But it ended up being a, a driving force. of Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The understatement of the year. But like, what was that feeling of? Oh, maybe I've I've made it or I've got we've got this opportunity after like so many tries, like starts and stops. And then the feeling of, I don't know, invalidation of like, cool, well, we earned it, but just kidding, not really. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because I was at this kind of naive place in my life where I didn't think about it too much when we got dropped. Mm. I was just kind of like, well, if we we have YouTube, we can post stuff on. And like, right. I think if, if, the, if it happened to me now, knowing what I know about the industry, I would have been more devastated. But back then I was really feeling like everything is great. Let's go on tour. Oh, they don't want us. Another record label will want us. And, right. and it, I was fortunate enough to be young enough to have that kind mm, of naivety. optimism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I have lost over the years. <laughs> no, I'm just Good jaded. <laughs> would you would you do anything differently? Honestly, I mean, I don't think so. Okay. I I think that I do wish that I almost went to like therapy earlier in my <laughs> life because it was so stigmatized that I avoided it. Yeah. But I think that talking things out with a professional, I would have like learned how to navigate this crazy life that was thrown in my lap. Yeah. And I just like there was a lot of things that were really heavy for me and during the Pentatonix years that wouldn't have been as heavy if I had like talked about them and acknowledged them and sat with them. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe that, but at the same time, I think every single thing that happened, good and bad, led me to who I am and where I am. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't really change anything. I appreciate that answer. So you won three Grammys, nominated for Emmys, had all, all the success, selling out Madison Square Garden, like, like crazy. But I feel like still the industry kind of shits on acapella. <laughs> Right. It like it gets made fun of. It's almost like a joke. Yeah. And it's honestly kind of a cheap joke because it's like, oh, the theater, the the choir kid, the theater kid, the nerd. It's like it's so archaic. This like it's just like an easy like a an easy target. Yeah. And sometimes like I think the impressiveness and talent it takes to do good acapella is kind of just shunned aside because it sounds cheesy to someone, which is like such a, a kind of a cheap take to me. Do you feel like it's changed at all since you started, what, 10 years ago? Do you feel like the narrative has changed at all? I think it has. I think between, you know, the Glee's Pitch Perfect, right. uh, all of it, and in Pentatonics, I think that there's a lot more appreciation for it, yeah. for singing and harmony in general. And I think a lot of people have been well, in the a skill, cool. the skill it takes yeah, the to skill. do it. And it makes you feel incredible. I think, th- yeah. I mean, I can go on and on about choir and how amazing and mu- music programs I did. Think. I did that too. Yeah. yeah it gives you a place, it gives you a place to be safe, especially for queer people and yeah. people that are different. And it's also a sense of identity. It's creating with others that gives you self-esteem. Yeah. It, it, it provides all of it. So I think a lot of people love, like it's, it's more loved in mainstream now because people are starting to understand that more. 
Right. Well, I feel like, you know, because I was in the I was in the YouTube comments and sometimes would go to bat, you know, because I was like, no, that's I just love that. No, but like I would see all like these all of these comments would just been like, you know, even like well intentioned of like, oh, like like I didn't realize this was this cool. Like almost feels like weirdly insulting. You like know? a backhanded type of comment. Yeah, right yeah. Like people will comment on my Instagram being like, Oh my God, how are you so confident? And I'm like, mm, Yeah. How can you be a woman talking about money? Right, exactly. But like it still feels like even when you kind of surprise people or potentially win people over, it's almost begrudgingly. They're like, Oh wow, I oh, I guess this is like a, a realistic or serious thing. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, that kind of gave us a motivation. It's I, I've never minded being the underdog. Because yeah. A little it, chip it, on I, your shoulder. Yeah. Cause I always root for the underdog. And so, and it also, it's like, it feels good to prove something. You know, the, when we won our first Grammy, I was so excited to tell the story that we spent $400 on that music video and we recorded and filmed it. We filmed in a kitchen, recorded in a closet. It was, it was like a, a DIY yeah. situation. Yeah. The band didn't even know I was bringing blue contacts. I stopped by a costume store on the way because I had a random idea to do it. It's just like all these tiny little decisions. It was just kind of our determination and just like our energy that we created by wanting to be creative. And it led us to amazing things. And I, I, I like having those underdog type stories because it, it's really fulfilling. Yeah. I think one of the amazing things that you all have been able to do is I think you've said it too, is like, regardless of whether you're like six or 66, you're going to have fun at a pentatonic show. Yeah. But one of the things I think that almost felt like, especially as a fan, really interesting was you had a certain demographic that was, you know, probably Christian family friendly mm -hmm. and we're putting Christian I'm I'm saying Christian in a way that would maybe not be as ex accepting of yeah. you coming out as queer right. or coming out as gay right so I remember even I think there was an episode of the sing-off where you guys got to like work with an organization mm. and they wouldn't publicly say it was the Trevor Project yeah like so what was that like trying to figure out personally your identity but also like publicly are you thinking to yourself, will this affect album sales if I am true to myself and come out publicly? Like, what is that? What was that process like? Oh, man, it was a really complicated journey because, you know, one, I was struggling with self-loathing. I had been like, you know, I grew up in Texas and being really masculine and not being gay is like is is a big priority for guys. And so that was kind of ingrained in me. And so having to unlearn that and then relearn who I am as a queer person. And then also, you know, you hear your whole life, if you're going to be a guy in the music industry or in the entertainment industry in general, you do not want to be gay because part of your appeal is like being lusted after or something, which sorry. is like crazy. So, sorry, bud. <laughs> which is I will public sorry. And that's my public apology. But it's, it's just wild to me that a thing like that no. would stop me from being authentically who I am. Right, it's right, it's right. so silly looking back on it. But, but you, you know, can't just be talented. It has to be like you have to be talented and hot. Right. Right. And I wanted to be a professional musician that I was willing to make any sacrifices internally, no matter how damaging they were to me to be able to pursue my dream and it's it's really dark looking back which is why I'm just so outwardly gay now because I'm hopefully <laughs> going to inspire young musicians yeah. that they can come out and still have a career but yeah it was complicated and then you know when I moved to LA and when Pentatonix was starting I was out to my friends and family and people close but we started to get momentum so then I was like okay I'm gonna kind of like be a little more vague about it to fans because I still had a little bit of that in me that I didn't want to ruin like 
pentatonics's potential by being myself just really 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 dark and sad to look back on and i'm I'm so glad i've like made it past that journey and well i'm glad the world's more ready for it too same yeah you know which sucks because it should have been ready for it but (laughs) yeah yeah. and so i feel yeah it was an interesting again as a fan like watching you know uh knowing like the family friendly label that got put on you all was, yeah, it was like family friendly in a way like, like, Oh, they don't cuss. And apparently they're all straight. And like, yeah, but you know, it was yeah. like, it was like family friendly with a tinge of, we need these people to be straight laced, yeah, you know, yeah. but you know, <laughs> and, and it was like, it was more the, you know, we didn't want to cuss. And because, you know, it started out with Kevin not wanting to cuss and we all kind of like, felt that and then we we saw that a lot of families and kids liked our music and so we were like oh we'll keep it rated you know pg and that that helped us get into the christmas world and and that just kind of became our brand i never really associated hiding our queerness because of the family friendly thing okay at least from a personal place was it more your privacy it was more oh i guess well i guess it was i didn't want to hurt the potential of pentatonics which would be connected to but i never thought that deeply about it i just like it was also like i didn't want to come out personally as well sure which is in your right totally yeah yeah and i know that but i I wish i would have come out earlier just because i feel like i could have inspired more people that way but you know everyone's journey is different and i i I don't want to say i want to change anything but yeah well you don't also no one's asking you to be the sacrificial lamb or like no one's asking you to like you know sacrifice your own privacy or your own journey in order yeah. to help somebody else, right? Yeah, and I don't know if I was ready to. If I yeah. would have forced myself to before I was ready, I might not have been. Well, it felt like a soft launch. I don't know if you ever like said it like, was like a soft "Hello, launch. I'm gay." Like I, I again as a fan, I don't know if I ever saw that. It was a, yeah, it was a soft launch. I yeah. you know I think <laughs> I think I've always wanted coming out to not always have to be a a big deal. A big deal. I th- I think it's cool when it's a big deal because it inspires a lot of people. And but I I do think if someone wants to just kind of casually start being open about it like it doesn't need to be like here is my essay right it's not a press wa- release right yeah, a press release right and there there is value in a press release too but <laughs> yeah. i was like i'm just gonna start kind of getting riskier in superfruit videos and oh, like yeah. start being a, and then like people just kind of caught on yeah and singing with you know referring to loves uh, with he oh, yeah. pronouns uh, yes i was like oh my god i'm saying he yeah in havana yeah 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 we talked before we started recording you guys have been touring pretty much nonstop pre-pandemic for what, eight years? Eight years, nonstop. <sighs> like the grind, the pace aside, I wanted to talk to you about like the financial, like if, you, if you're somebody listening who is going as a fan to like a concert, what are like the financial implications of tour that somebody would never consider? Like, what are you having to think about? Because you're hiring, of course, not just, you know, the five of you on stage, but you've got a videographer and you've got sound engineers and you've got photographers and you've got lighting designers. Like what financial costs go into producing a tour? Oh, man, it it depends on the size of the tour. Some of our early tours barely cost anything, but we were barely making anything. But I think on like, you know, a big arena tour, like something we do for Christmas, you know, there's eight trucks you have to rent the trucks and pay the bus drivers and pay their hotels and then you have your whole crew we had a crew of 30 which is kind of a skeleton crew for an arena thing you know if it's like a Beyonce tour and she's like dancing with the water on the ground you have three people that are assigned to the water like (laughs) like there is a lot of people to pay and she's also got you know 25 dancers on stage and everything you know (laughs) it's like yeah and you have to rent you know rent the venue it's an arena downtown Los. you know what I mean it's like it's, it's very expensive to rent the arena and then 
We um, in Pentatonix, we try to keep our tickets affordable, you know, because families want to come. And so so it is a really expensive thing to do. But at the same time, touring is the most lucrative part of the business for everyone. Touring or album sales? It's got to be probably touring. You know, it's touring for everyone pretty much. That's why, you know, they say never do like a 360 deal with a record label where you give up touring and merch because touring is where you're going to make money. That with Amy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For you, you don't have to tell me the amount if you're not comfortable. Like, what percentage do you actually see as artists? Um, well, since we're five people and we we split it evenly, you know, it's like we have the gross number of money we made from ticket sales, and then you subtract certain percentages for lawyers, business management, agency, right. and then you have this much of the pie left. It is like a very small piece of the pie overall when you think about the what we made, um, but. It's still the most lucrative thing, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I had a question about this, and I'm just going to do it now. Mm-hmm. So, mention, of course, you're not a solo act. You're with five people, or you know, four plus you. What are the sorts of processes, or how do you think about collaborating with five other people? What are the benefits of knowing that any decision you make you're going to need to all relatively agree or at least compromise. And then what are the downsides on that? Cause I'm sure That's there have been question. many a time that you like had something. Yeah. Well, even like Kevin just being like, Hey, I don't feel like cursing and you yeah. all, you know, being like, okay, like I'm willing to compromise on that. Like what are the benefits of having four other collaborators? What are the downsides of that? Oh man, that is a really, really good question. I think the benefits are, you know, it's five brains, five creative minds. Unfortunately, Pentatonics were really respectful and we do compromise and we listen and we have this whole kind of system where we try every single idea that's suggested. And then if three people are kind of loving it, you can feel the momentum go towards the decision. And I always think that we get the best possible thing for our brand because of that. So I do like the collaborative nature of that. The, I mean, the downsides are going to be, you know, obviously I'll be really passionate about something and the, the group won't, feel it's right and so I'll have an idea that I feel really good about die because of that yeah and that's always like you know a bummer but at the same time part of being in a group is trusting the conscious of the band and not like and yeah it's just it it, there is like a a more energy it takes having everything you do in a business have to be agreed on by five people that just is going to add a layer of exhaustion right it's it's not just creative agreement it is financial business how you take schedule right well and to your point again seeing a lump sum of money and having it split five ways right yeah like that's got to be you know everybody hopefully did their job right and that's great but it's also like oh man yeah, yeah, there's moments where you're like, whoa, I would have made five times this much. Right, right. But I don't ever dwell on that because I think that the five of us as a unit is what is so incredibly special. Yeah. And so I'm just like grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. But I think a lot of people in groups, other groups, not our group, like can get obsessed with the whole solo thing. So for, what was it, 2018, 2019? Mm-hmm. Your base, Avi, your original base, oh, yeah. decides to leave the group. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I have an interesting, interesting perspective on this, I think, as someone who has watched your career. For me as a fan, what had happened six months prior is all of you had started doing solo projects. Oh, yeah. So you and Mitch had Superfruit, right? Kevin was doing some of the more classical stuff. Kirstie yeah. was doing stuff under her own name. And then Avi was doing you know, his, his solo stuff as well. And when the announcement happened, I wasn't that shocked because I felt like 
I felt like I saw it almost coming. Yeah. Was that intentional? Were you guys like creating safety nets for yourself? Thinking, I think it's what all, if this I doesn't think, work? I think it's all of it. I think it was a safety net thing. And also we were in the group for four years. And if you look at like past groups, always around the four year mark, yeah, second album, a lot of people like start to, you know, because it's a hard thing to do to be a group. And I think that four years in, none of us wanted the group to be done, but I think yeah. that we all kind of, you know, you're in your like mid twenties and you're like, I've dedicated my whole adult life to pentatonics. What would I have done if it was just me, it's hard not to wonder that. And so I think that all of us just kind of dabbled in creative things and, you know, Superfruit was my way to be more liberated, more yeah. queer and yeah. like less having to adapt to more to uh, five people. And so I think it was just a way to express ourselves, experiment, but we did have like open discussions about it all the time. And we had a rule like pentatonics always comes first. And so everyone got to kind of do their thing, which I think was really healthy in the long run because... Yeah none of us felt restricted, which is like, you know, when people right. um, you feel trapped in a corner, then you start getting yeah. antsy. <laughs> and, and Avi leaving, I think was also just because of the four year mark. And it was a really exhausting tour schedule. And there's just like, you know, it, it, it was hard to be in a group and he wanted to do a solo thing and we totally understood. I think it was just like a coincidental timing that the solo things. Happened. Yeah. But it did cross my mind a couple of times. Like, oh my gosh, was all the- my eggs are in the pentatonics right. basket. And, you know, if the whole band breaks up one day randomly, which I don't think, well, it's proven isn't going to happen yeah. <laughs> after 10 years. But I, I but it's a fear that I think everyone has that's in a group and you want to create some type of path because I'm like, I have no skills. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have skills. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Being a the Grammy no, award winning yeah, <laughs> yeah, musician. Yeah. But yeah, no. But yeah, for I think I always wondered, like, was there a moment where he was like, Hey, I think, I think I'm done. And you guys are like, fuck, it doesn't mean we're all done. Yeah, I did. I did. You know, he had molded over for a bit and I did think that there was no way pentatonics could exist without him because he was, um, such a one of a kind base. He's still, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. And it, it, so I was really scared. And then, you know, the touring schedule was something he really didn't like a lot of people don't like it like the brian yeah. wilson from beach boys did not right. want to tour and, right well and when it, we saw that again as a fan like i keep as a fan but like <laughs> i saw you know in the documentary where he was just like you could see that every time all of you whenever you saw your family for the first time after months it was a very emotional experience but i think yeah. uniquely for him like you could tell like he just did like it was hard it yeah, was hard he's a very introverted person who likes to make you know to make art and be rooted and be with his family and and tour is the opposite of that you're sleeping somewhere different every single day you're sharing a room with 12 people on a bus like right. it's it's a really intense experience and it wasn't for him and but it was you know something the band really wanted to do and there was other like little things that weren't lining up and it just felt like the right timing and he sat us down and was like he was like i'm gonna do, like do my own thing i need a break i don't want to tour this much and i want to make solo music and we were like good for you and um yeah so when you think about bringing somebody new in, again, I've heard you talk about this, but it's really interesting where you five have your, have your processes and you've got to figure it figured out mostly. Right. And you're, and then yeah. one's leaving and you had that period of time where you didn't have a base. So you're trying to figure out, okay, what does this look like with four people? Yeah. And then bringing in somebody new, like, what is that process? Oh man. Like from it a was, collaborative perspective. I mean, it was terrifying. It yeah. was like, <laughs> you know, it was 
we all had like solo projects going on. So I'm like, oh my gosh, do we dive into this? But I am so unbelievably passionate about pentatonics and like I just think about it all the time. So I knew that I was going to do whatever it took to make sure we all did to make sure we didn't end. And we went through so many iterations of what we could be. I had thought about... Mm. I I went through a whole moment where I was like, we should tour with an orchestra and do kind of like elevated stuff that's like respected, but do it with the four of us. Um, But, you know, there's just something about five people of the rhythm section that was just working. And so we we realized quickly we're going to need a bass and you might say it's, it's not the like meat can, and potatoes the of, meat and potato so. oh my gosh a true <laughs> danny <laughs> no but i like we it was a process finding another yeah. bass yeah well and that's incredible matt like, is incredible and i feel like he i don't well maybe it did cuz it wasn't just about finding somebody of course that was really talented and could keep up it was like trying to find somebody who fit the vibe 100% which was yeah it was <laughs> It was like Process. so important to us to find someone who was because we had like, you know, we had learned so much about the dynamic of the band and how important it is. Every single person's personality and how they fit. Yeah. And like we we wanted someone who was incredibly talented and it's hard to find basses in general. It's so that hard. Were, uh, that like no acapella because bass singing is even different with acapella. Yes. Well, I feel like so much of it wasn't just like, again, getting a bass who fits the vibe, but also like the the Kevin, whatever, you know, whoever bass you go with relationship, like so much of that is a give and take with exactly. beatboxer and, and bass. So yeah, they had to be able to collaborate. We wanted someone like with this really bright energy and yeah, and it was just like, there was a lot of factors and there wasn't that many submissions. Like, you know, we probably watched 40 people total and there was a lot of really good people and we narrowed it down to like, you know, eight to 10 flew them to LA and met with them, hung out with them, sang with them. And there was a lot of people qualified, but Matt just like his energy when he performed on stage, just like lit me Mm -hmm. up. I just couldn't take my eyes off of him. And he was so kind and so amazing. He learned our whole catalog just in case we tuned really well with him. And then, you know, we did a Christmas tour with him Yeah, and he soft launch Matt. A soft launch, Matt. Yeah. Soft launch everything. Yes. <laughs> and and we like really got along with him and he's incredible and he's one of my best friends now. Mm. And he's so charismatic on stage. Like he, he's so yeah. fun to watch. He is. And he is like that off stage too. He's a really good guy. And I think that in a time where we were all getting pretty fatigued in Pentatonics, yeah. Um, just because of all the stuff we were going through with, you know, it, he just came in and breathed this whole new life mm. into the band and, and we're all very grateful for him. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were talking in your show about, you asked a great question about like, should you lend money to friends? We were talking about like, you know, contracts and all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. You grew up with Mitch and Kirstie Mm -hmm. and now you're signing contracts together. Yeah. Like how how are you blending friendships with also being like these people who I dated and also I knew in high school, (laughs) right? Like, 
and now I'm making business deals with them. That is really wild. I think it's never been an issue because from the very beginning, we've just split everything equally, mm. everyone. And so Kirsty, Mitch, and I have always been the, like in the same like financial right. place because we split everything right from the beginning. And so there hasn't felt, there hasn't been any like resentment. And, yeah. and it's because someone had told me, well, we had planned to do that anyways, but someone told me like the cast of friends would like, they split everything equally. And they negotiate for each other too. I think they would <laughs> yeah. like, you know, go to bat for each other. Like, Oh, okay, well we're getting paid this. And if you want all of us, then you have to pay all of us. That's this. amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what, you know, after we worked out our deal with Panasonic splitting it equally, we, when we go to, we go as a unified unit, unit when right. we're like negotiating things. So, yeah. No, that's really smart. And I feel like, especially for you three, you were all, I'm assuming, in very similar financial and career places because you're all you all roughly the same age. And it was like, yeah, cool, graduate high school. Now we're going we're gonna to do this. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. I know. Yeah, I went to USC and it was... SoCal Vocal. SoCal Vocal. And Still the best in, acapella group in the country. For sure. I'm and so it's so good. funny because I feel like, you know, I only went for a year and was in debt for four years because of it. Shit. <laughs> I know. It's a very expensive school. But I'm so glad Ooh. I went because I like, not even just for, particularly for the education, but for the acapella community and right. meeting Ben Bram, who you I started with. Right, yeah, right, right. meeting Rozzy and like, so right. oh, it was I more she did USC, USC too. Yeah. I, the people I met there changed my whole life. Who so, was your roommate? Remind me. Shagoon. Yes. Hello, yeah. Amazing. So underrated. That man's vocal. Oh my God. He can vocal sing anything. Ah, His range. No. Yeah. What was it? You did it. Was it a dynamite cover? No, yes, titanium. I, titanium. Titanium. We did that at Rosie's house. Yes. Yeah. His, he's in the original key, in the original key belting. Like I <laughs> could belt. not, I could not believe it. I know. He's incredible. Oh man. That's so cool. Yeah, we were two competitive queens because we were like roommates, <laughs> but we were like the two riffing singers and we were like, <laughs> like <laughs> for frenemies. No, I, I literally loved him so much, but it was like funny how that dynamic is like so competitive. Funny. Okay, something I've always, always, always wondered. When you cover a song, mm -hmm. are you paying royalties to the original artist on that song? Oh my God. And if you not, how are you getting so out of it? so disappointed in me because I don't actually know a about this I'm just curious because you've been doing obviously you have original music as well that's phenomenal but like Pentatonix started with covers and I always wondered I'm like are they paying Daft Punk a royalty for every like what does yeah. that look like so there's like man I am not qualified to be talking about no, this but there's good. like the songwriter you know. there's like the songwriter the publishing share the songwriter share and then like the mechanical share or something like that we get a we pay the artist a mechanical license to be able to release it and then the writers of the song or the people that own publishing will get a piece of that okay. but we don't make much money at all on covers covers are more an investment of like gaining followers and traction and wait so you're telling Hold on. So until you released the self-titled album full of originals, mm -hmm. you made no money. No, we made money. You made money touring, but did you make any money off? We made no. Edge? We made money off okay. sales of the album. Oh, I was like, what? Oh no, we made. We so made, for like four or three misspoke. years, you made no money off of the music you created. Oh no, we we you make money off of the covers, but just not as much as you would. With sure, the original. sure, sure. Okay, I got it. Like your YouTube ad revenue, right? Yes, is yeah. is a lot less for covers. The way it works. Mm, interesting. Um, but because of licensing, right? Yeah, Probably. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I was kind of looking at it more as like you did. We did make money because we sold a lot of those covers, but yeah. I was seeing it more as like getting eyeballs 
on what we did so we could sell tour tickets. No, it's smart. So when you think about like Evolution of Music was the big, I think, first big viral video. Mm -hmm. But you had, oh my God, what, 40, 50 songs in that? Oh yeah. It was like 30. It was crazy. Are you paying royalties to, I don't know. Well, that one we don't sell. So whenever it's like. Oh, right. Because it's just you're doing a cover on YouTube. Yeah. Got it. Because. Anytime there's a lot of songs in a medley, it's like so impossible to get everyone to approve and like, right. and you don't make any money on it. And so a lot of our evolutions aren't on DSPs, but like a Daft Punk will be because it's like six songs in one artist. Right. Yeah. So is there ever a moment where you're like, I want to put this on the EP, I want to put this on PTX Volume X, and you couldn't get the rights to it? Yeah. Oh man, that's happened multiple times. Well, yeah. We've had songs that we've like recorded covers for and couldn't put out. We've really? had to change like our change evolutions before take songs out put songs Mm. in and then we you know went and performed evolution of beyonce on the ellen show and she was it was in two days but they were like we couldn't clear this one this one this one and it's like you can't just easily take songs out of an arrangement it's a whole new thing you have to learn and uh and that was back when we did a lot of stuff by ear on the road so we were like by ear changing and rearranging all of evolution of beyonce at hyperspeed to be able to perform it. Which pause, if you're not a musician, is incredibly difficult. <laughs> like if you're a mu- if you're not a musician listening, like that is incredibly difficult. It was it was insanely hard. But those type of and also on the sing off, we did a lot of our arrangements by right, ear. Right, right. But I'm so glad that we were thrown into that because it just trained us as a group the yeah. work ethic and kind of like by ear thing you have to do and how create most creativity comes from improvisation and, and so mm, we strengthen yeah. that muscle in the formative years of pentatonics and so i'm very grateful for it i just remembered a question that i've wanted to ask you for a decade and oh my I god i'm think so excited now <laughs> who came up with the dog days are over mitch solo moment oh my god i did yes i thought it was you i've had i've had <laughs> an inkling it is it's still one of my favorite arrangements like it is it's was the most smart fucking choice especially on a fucking finale and i know that arrangement didn't come through until like what the night before at yeah. least that's the lore like such a smart fucking choice oh my gosh thank you and i just i knew like that we, we knew mitch was gonna sing the bridge and right. I knew I wanted him to do it in like a really like soft gorgeous way and then like we used to have it where the chorus would end and there was dramatic space and then he would start and then I remember it was like the day before where I was like just hold the note so right when we all cut out it's just you instantly I literally am getting chills just oh thinking about gosh. it like oh it's it's still I know it I know it was like so long ago but it's still one of my favorite moments that you guys have ever done it was Thank just you. such a thoughtful thoughtful choice I really do feel like that was like the beginning of my creative journey and really building self-esteem and creative choices. You three were what, like 19? Yeah. We were babies. <sighs> babies. Little yeah. babies. No, I've always, <laughs> I literally so remembered. Funny. I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I remembered that. Yeah, we like, added that last second. Oh man, that week was so stressful. I remember I had no voice. I had like to get a steroid shot 10 minutes before the performance. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I couldn't even make a sound. And if you watch it, I am screaming. You are belting for your life. Well, it was literally me just physically trying to make it work. Right, (laughs) right. I was also feeling, you know, it was very, it was a lot of pressure that week. So there was a lot of emotion. Well, they chose your song for you too, I think. Yeah, they did. We were given that song. Right. But I was excited because I love the drama. And that was like a dramatic song. It's still, you know, even obviously with with Avi having left, he gives that that interview at the end, which I still think is so beautiful. Yeah. 
where it was like, yeah, he's like, I want to do it for the rest of my life. Aww. And I was like, it's still one of my favorite moments. I know, and me it's too. So, it's so that cool. was such an emotional day. I'm sure. Well, and just, I mean, I don't mean to go back to this thing off, but like, it's such an interesting concept where it's just like, hi, new arrangement, sometimes two every week. Also, you have a group number that you have to learn and it's super campy and we're going to perform oh it gosh. at the beginning. And then, oh, also you're going to, yeah, you're going to compete on a singing show where you, it's not just like you singing with, with musicians you're also arranging the actual things you're singing and also there was groups with 19 people who needed arrangers and there was like three collegiate all the collegiate groups exactly and there was like three arrangers available so we didn't get arrangers a lot so that's why we started learning to do it just Mm. by ear because it was more it was like i we have to do this if we're going to succeed yeah i mean been scrappy working on the show and so he was like down to help us and he did a lot he helped us a lot but he also like was busy, really busy with all these other groups. And so to, you know, make something we were proud of efficiently, we had to learn how to kind of do it ourselves and as well as work with Ben. So yeah, it was stressful. And then also the rehearsals for these opening numbers were at absolutely crazy times because <laughs> like a middle of the night. I like, I don't know how this was legal. I've been trying to expose it, but we would have like a <laughs> midnight rehearsal. Shows can't, shows not a, not a thing anymore. I know. Nick Lachey's got his old new show now. He's doing <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> <laughs> Those reality shows back then, I mean, like, they, it is wild what they do. Like, the contestants are, at, I mean, not as much on the sing-off, but I've heard these horror stories about American Idol. There's like cattle, people peeing their pants because they will not let them <gasps> get, leave rooms and stuff. Oh, yeah, but we, yeah, it was, it was a high-stress situation. But I was just pumped to be there having auditioned for yeah, a bunch of other things. Shows. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, I'll do anything. <laughs> I just am happy to be here. <laughs> this actually segues into... So you guys blow up, right? You're in your early 20s. How are you navigating fame, lack of privacy? Like, and again, a weird vulnerability moment, but like, I was probably part of the problem. Like, you know, I was trying to figure out where you were up to and figure out what's going on in your life. Oh and I definitely gosh. had a parasocial relationship with all five of you. And like, <laughs> like, what is that process like of being like very unknown and then being famous and yeah what what is that I think that it can be a really scary process for some and I guess it was scary at times for me but overall I was really really excited because I wanted to just sing professionally my whole life and I knew how hard it was to get any type of notoriety or momentum in the music industry it's like and once it happens I, I, I was very precious about it. I was like, I have to use this moment. <laughs> so I was I was so pumped that it didn't really bother me, the other aspects of it. I guess it was just more learning how to balance, staying connected to my friends, working but not working too much, what to do financially, yeah. <laughs> working as a group, making huge life-changing decisions quickly. All that stuff is really wild. But I also will say that Pentatonix, I feel like we grew kind of gradually yeah, um, yeah, yeah and yeah. never became like truly tabloid famous. So it, it, I think it was a different experience for us than it would be for like an Olivia Rodrigo, who's like the number one celebrity right. overnight and right. then having to in a pandemic in which, a pandemic. Like, yeah. Yeah. And make all these huge decisions at such a high level with all eyes on her. I do think and we a, just a kind of like yeah. went viral and grew and grew. And so that was nice to, can you have. still go places without getting recognized? Um, 
I can go, I feel like I can go anywhere without feeling like, oh, I can't go there. I'll get mobbed. I like, I, I'll even go to Disneyland and I'll just get recognized a couple times. Yeah. But I feel like Pentatonix fans have always been like so respectful. I've never felt like, oh man, I wish these people would leave me alone. I've never felt that. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like it's different for like a Taylor Swift or an totally, Ariana Totally, where people are, you know, breaking in their houses to sleep in their beds. <laughs> yeah. Real thing that happened to Taylor Swift. Whoa. Oh my God. That's so scary. She talked about it on her documentary. She was like, literally somebody broke into my house and slept in my bed. Also, I feel like that's happened to her a couple times or at least I'm like not, stalkers. Would not be shocked. Yeah. I've had stuff sent to my house, which is a little uneasy. Like. Makes me feel uneasy. Fan art or like, like anthrax. G- Oh, no anthrax yet. <laughs> oh Don't God, get remember? any ideas. Anybody. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> no, but I, I've received like fan gifts and honestly, they're really sweet. So it's not like I want right, to say but anything you're like, negative, but also address? anytime someone has your address, it's uh, that's a little, ter- yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's a, a little, little bit terrifying. unnerving. One of my favorite, favorite things that I saw was you posted a video a couple years ago. I think it was your Christmas gift to your parents where you paid off their mortgage. Oh, yeah. It's literally like going to make me cry. It was oh, so oh sweet. I've met your parents. They're lovely. I've They're met them the at shows. They're the loveliest humans. What sort of financial opportunities has fame or just success, quote unquote, like afforded you? Oh, man. You know, that that is definitely one of them. I can like... Being able to do that for my parents was a really emotional moment for me and something I'd always dreamed of. I think a big thing that it has provided me is just that layer of stress is not there as much, not stressing about not living paycheck to paycheck, not stressing. Can I do this? Is this smart? There's just a freedom that comes with that, which I've always been very grateful for ever since Pentatonix. Those would be the main things. But yeah, I would say I'm like the same level of happy that I was when I didn't have money. There's just a sense of freedom. So it's like a different kind of happy. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Have you had a holy shit, I've made it moment? Oh, yeah. I. What was it? Do you remember the first one? The very first one was probably that first tour that you went to. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I'd ever been in performing a show where people were screaming and yelling. And Singing like along when I did a riff, right. people would freak out for it. I had never <laughs> really had that in that way. And night after night, I was, I, that, was that was definitely a moment. Anytime we had our first viral videos, radioactive Daft Punk or yeah. somebody that I used to know, just seeing the numbers rack up. Yeah. It was just like really, really surreal. Two more that come to mind are when our album was, when Mary Did You Know was going really viral. Yeah. And that album was like 100,000 sales each week, which, and it ended up going platinum that December. Yep. And that was just like a really, really big deal. Yeah. And then Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. I remember the Sesame Street days. Oh, I loved that. I yeah. just like, it was so cool to be on there. Yeah. But lots of moments. The Grammys, I mean, it's just been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> oh, and you went, yeah, the original album went number one too. Number yes. one billboard, Oh my it? God. That was such a moment. Yeah. Yes. Because you beat, was it Demi Lovato? It was Demi Lovato. And yeah. we had been like, it was like yeah. a race. I, I watched it. And yeah. I remember doing like 30 phone interviews for three days straight just on different radio stations to sell. And we were like doing meet and greets, selling albums. We were doing everything we could. And then like it ended up, we got the number one spot by a hundred albums or something. (gasps) Scott, really? Yeah. We barely, 
barely, barely, barely. Holy shit. I know. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that, but leave it in. Okay. Spicy. I don't know. It was like somewhere like 100 to 400 albums. It was really, really close, but I am obsessed with Confident, the album. That was a great album, but I was striving for that top spot. Yep. (laughs) Do you still feel challenged by your work? Yes, I do. I really do. The reason I had to think about it was because I feel like in some ways, this is so exciting to talk about because I think Pentatonics right now is making a massive breakthrough and we're about to, we are about to reach this whole new era and level for us. And I think that, you know, it was so exciting at first. There was so much to like experiment with in the acapella world. And then, you know, we've done hundreds of arrangements. There's, we started to fall into a little bit of a doing stuff we've done before that we're really, really proud of. But I feel like right in this moment, we are writing, creating, dreaming bigger, and we're more unified than I think we've ever been. Wow. Everyone in the band is like best friends, texts going all day. And like, not that we haven't been friends in the past, but, no, but like, we're so, so unified right now. No, because I always thought, I was like, yeah. God, 10 years, you got to be getting tired. Like the opposite's happening. That's so cool. Mm. How does, how does that feel? It feels like such a relief because yeah. I've, <laughs> a relief. I mean, yeah. one, it's a relief because like I had the same thought. I was like, after 10 years, everyone's You're like, are we phoning? Like, well, let's just phone it in for a while. I phone it in for this album. No, like, it's, it's fine. Like everyone has this like adult energy and we're all, because we're so unified, there's an energy amongst us that is causing ideas to come. Hmm. Liz Gilbert style, <laughs> like ideas to come that are just, I feel like really leading us down a really cool path. And I think some, amazing stuff is coming up the next few years yeah you've also started now founding groups oh yeah not just pentatonics citizen queen is amazing acapop kids what is the difference in involvement between founding a group that you're a member of versus founding a group that you're kind of shepherding Ooh, the difference is with like a citizen queen or acapop kids when you're mentoring you're trying to help them find their dynamic and find their way of creating and like um, navigating the music industry. Whereas like in pentatonics, I'm like in the thick of it. Right. Because it's, I think it's important that I don't insert myself too much into like Citizen Queen or anything. Yeah. Because I want them to be able to be self-sufficient. It's something that pentatonics, you know, learn to do by arranging on our own and all that stuff. And so I'm trying to like guide them, help them, but also let them find their own legs and ways. Yeah. Which I think, yeah, you get to be involved, but you almost, yeah, you get to let them kind of figure out what that looks like. Yeah. I'll brainstorm with them creatively. I'll connect them with the label to help them get a label deal together. And so I, 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 which I like love being able to do because you get to skip some of those hurdles Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of make art, which I was so happy to do that for them and for Acapop. Um, Right. The opening of the doors and give them like the Kelly Clarkson show where you're like, come on, I've toured with you. I can call you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But it's like, there's also like, you have to be careful that you're not like, same thing with like raising a child, I guess. Sure. If you do everything for them when they're on their own as an adult, they're not. Yeah. 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 No, that makes total sense. (laughs) Yeah. My final question for you. Yeah. Scott, in 2011, 2012, what would you tell him? Ooh. Oh, man. I guess I would tell him, you know, I'm thinking of back to the future. I'm like, I wouldn't want to mess up my future right, by right, like right, a right. butterfly <laughs> effect. Yeah, yeah. 
So I'm like, very careful what you say. <laughs> no, just kidding. I would just say everything's going to be okay. Because I think there's been moments over the last 10 years where I felt so, so in like dark emotions yeah. and some dark emotions that I'd never had before where you don't know how to handle them or you don't know if they're going to go away. And now that I've had 10 years of experience and knowing that these emotions do pass, especially if you sit with them yeah. and I've known that things do get better. I think I, I think I wouldn't have been so scared and terrified in that moment. Mm. So without ruining my future through via the butterfly effect, I, just, I, would, <laughs> <laughs> I just get over. No, I, would, I would just say everything's going to be okay. And all, all the, all the harder times ahead, you get through. Amazing. I might end it there. I also have one more question. I don't know if I will include this. I've been wanting to ask people this. Yeah. My um, my best friend and I have had a two hour conversation about uh, this question. Yes, it's this question. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Okay. And I feel like you're a perfect person to ask. Okay. What celebrity mm -hmm. do you feel like you could get at your best? You are looking hot. You are charismatic. Oh, who could I like, pull? Yes. Like, like you're at oh a bar God. and like what celebrity do you feel like would fall hook, line, and sinker? If I was like feeling like I was crushing an outfit and had, first of all, I think it has a lot to do with like where I'm at confidence wise. A hundred percent. Because like, I feel like when I'm on, I can like really exude sexy, but when I'm not, it's the opposite. But that's uh, what I'm saying. It's like, you're on. Okay. I really don't know. It's okay. Again, I've had I've had conversations that have lasted hours with friends about this. I don't I don't know. Oh my gosh, I want to have a fun answer, but I really it's don't okay. know. The fun part that I start to think about is it's not just, of course, like it is like 100% a confidence question of like, who do you think you could pull? Mm -hmm. It's also like, do you think they would be into you and receptive? Right? Because like yeah. everybody, I'm very public on my love of Tim the Chalamet. I don't think he... I, I think I'm hot. I don't think he would be interested. Like, I honestly don't think that. I think he might. Thank, thank you for saying that. I paid him to say it. No, but like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't leave that part. No, I don't think he would. Cause it's like body type of who he's dated prior. Like, and yeah. the other thing for me is like, I'm not going to be the person. And again, self-aware, this is not me being self-deprecating. I'm not the person who's going to walk across like a bar and be like, yeah, oh, God, it's going to be like <laughs> me sitting with you like for a half hour over a whiskey. And then I, I've, got you but like yeah you if know i'm at my most confident and feeling really hot i do think that i could charm someone even if they were quote unquote out of my league physically right. or something i right. think that i am i can turn on the charm my answer is james mcavoy let me go ahead and google who that is okay, i know cool. the name <laughs> He was um, Mr. Tumnus, among other things. Last King of Scotland, Atonement. Oh my gosh, yeah. He was in um, uh, X-Men. X-Men. Yeah. Oh my God, bunch he's of things. amazing. Yeah, Atonement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been in a bunch of things. You could definitely. And he's also, he's just like very, I, yeah, we would have witty banter and I'd get him that I way. I love that. Actors are so smart. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much in the corner. Oh, that's a fun question. It's fun. That's a fun like, <laughs> I know, no, I I know sorry. This you're the first person I've asked on a podcast because I like. I know I was trying to think of like gay celebrities and I was like, there's not like a ton. Well, and it's like, would you also be into them? But I also you know, be like, into them. I feel, I I feel like dating a celebrity has never been like something I've wanted to do. It's scary. Yeah, I get that. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me, and thanks for Thank doing you. my podcast too. Of course.
course. I know you're like a behemoth of a podcast. No, stop, stop, Our stop, little stop, engine stop. that could. No, nope. nope. <laughs> it's so fun. Thank you. Before I forget, where can people find you? Oh, yes. Yeah, so we did a podcast with Tori on ours. It's me and <laughs> Rosie. It's called Ugh, You're So Good. And follow me on socials at Scott Hoying. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being you. Of course. Thanks for being you. Like I mentioned before, since we recorded this episode, Scott has gotten engaged. So congratulations to him and Mark. Mark is actually from Seattle, which we bonded over. And so I'm so excited for both of them and so excited uh, just for everything that Scott has going on and everything that Pentatonix is up to. So you can follow Scott on Instagram at Scott Hoying, H-O-Y-I-N-G, and listen to Pentatonix wherever you get your music and also Superfruit because Superfruit is just fucking pop. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you're a pentaholic out there, know that I see you, know that I am you. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening to this episode. And as always, have a lovely rest of your week. I'll catch you later, financial feminists. Thank you for listening to Financial Feminist, a Her First 100K podcast. Financial Feminist is hosted by me, Tori Dunlap, produced by Kristen Fields, marketing and administration by Karina Patel, Olivia Koning, Sharice Wade, Alina Helzer, Paulina Isaac, Sophia Cohen, Valerie Oresco, Jack Koning, and Anna Alexandra. Research by Ariel Johnson, audio engineering by Austin Fields, promotional graphics by Mary Stratton, photography by Sarah Wolf, and theme music by Jonah Cohen Sound. A huge thanks to the entire Her First 100K team and community for supporting the show. For more information about Financial Feminist, Her First 100K, our guests, and episode show notes, visit financialfeministpodcast.com.